0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche and... Today is Wednesday. You noticed that there was not a show yesterday and that pretty much will be by design until we kind of get back to normal. Uh, we are going to be doing a every other day show so Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays. If anything happens that's you know uh, incredibly in you know inf- would be incredibly informative and the information we need to get out right away, I would do a, a special episode. If the news picks up again and things are happening and we're noticing that we might get hockey sometime in the very near future and the the info is coming fast and furious, we'll go back to every single day. But for now, the way that the news is pretty much just trickling out, uh, I think it's going to be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type of gig. Um, and then if anything happens on the weekends, we can always do a weekend show too. But right now, nothing seems to be going on that is so catastrophic in terms of like, I have to get on the air right away and talk about it because everything is, has been said to this point. Um, and before we get into that, cause I kind of just want to go on a spiel, a rant for a little while. First things first, follow the show on Instagram at. Locked on Avalanche, follow on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche, and send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, if you want to be on the of Friday segment, what you're doing with your time off from hockey and just sports in general, send all of that to LockedOnAvalanche at gmail.com. So a couple things we're going to get to today, some interesting things we're going to get to, but for whatever reason, I know we've been on a hiatus since like March 12th, 11th or 12th, 13th in that general vicinity. I think because all of this stuff was just so unprecedented and really fascinating in in the wrong ways, for whatever reason, today was the first day I really felt like this just sucks. And and I I felt like that in the past, but these last three weeks have just been... Things we've never done before. Uh, we we're all going through this this chaotic time, and now it seems like we've settled into that. It's kind of like the way of life, f- at least you know for now, for the short term. We hope for the short term, and I think because we, we you know we've all kind of settled into that mode. Now it just really just hit me that man, like we're we're not we're not gonna. Even knowing full well we're not going to have anything for a little while. I don't know why. I, 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 and it, I think that's the only explanation I can give. Is to say because now it's now this is like the norm. And we've been doing the same thing day in and day out. For, or at least we should be for the past three weeks. Some of us longer than that. Um, and it just hit me like... Like this is, and now this is how it's going to be for who knows how long. Um, and you just now it's getting to the point where you hear the same thing over and over on the news. The only thing that they really change is the number of people infected and the number of people who have died. Sports are just really, you know, and rightly so, have just taken a back seat when we normally look to sports in times like this, but we don't have it. I'm just going through my. The guide on my television and you just pass all of those sport channels and it it just makes you like can't tune into that can't tune into that i mean well you can but in all likelihood they're going to be showing a game from you know last year five years ago 10 years ago 20 years and those are fun to watch every once in a while but just knowing that you can't tune into that just to to relax have a cup of coffee if you're like me and you have a cup of coffee at the end of the day and just throw on a game doesn't matter what sport it is, so I don't want to make it seem like it just hit me like, oh my god, this is a real thing. No, it just hit me today like, wow, like this is now the daily routine right now is really nothing, and it's it's sad, but that's just kind of where we're at. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog did a interview. I don't know who he did it It was a it was a video video conference call that he did, um, and he talked about what he's doing, and he talked about the two players on the Avalanche that had, well, one had, one currently has the coronavirus, Uh, and he said both are doing well. He has talked to both of them, and like I said before, it doesn't really matter who they are, but you can, I guess, cross Gabriel off as a guy who could be one of them if he's talked to them both or if he's, you know, covering for himself, but it doesn't sound like that's what he's doing. Um, and he said, it took a while for us to find out that a couple of guys had tested positive. But from the conversations I've had, they are recovering well. Uh, we've been apart since our last game, which is March 11th. So right away, I knew in our household, we took it pretty seriously. For the major sports leagues to shut down, we realized it had been pretty serious. So we stayed in Denver for five days and didn't see a single person. said, uh, When he says we, he means his wife and his newborn daughter five-month-old daughter so um, they left Denver said we left Denver early since we weren't sure how travel restrictions would be affected but we got to Toronto since uh, his wife is from there and they're staying with his in-laws he says we are doing good and seem to have been lucky it's one of those things where you don't know how serious it was going to be when the news came out the league was on pause and I'm sure it was up to everybody at that point to kind of quarantine themselves. At the same time, single guys are kind of left on their own and living on their own with nothing to keep them busy. But I'm glad everyone is doing well and hoping, hoping everyone in Denver is staying safe and is healthy back there. Um, and he goes on saying, Usually when the world or country is going through a tough time, or something happens, whether it's a natural catastrophe or whatever it might be, we as athletes have the ability to give people a break in their day and allow them to kind of get away from the real world for a couple of hours and cheer for their favorite team. We don't have that anymore. But hopefully everyone can stay positive and we can be back soon. And that that seems to be the talking points for any pick. pick the athlete, pick the sport. It's pretty much what everybody's saying. Everybody is going through the same exact thing. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what sport you play. It doesn't matter what job you have. Uh, this is just, uh, you know, affecting everybody. North, south, east, west. So it's good to see that he is safe. Um, and, again, we don't know the, the names of the players. We don't need to know it right now. And and the, the good thing is, like, when I just go through, like, social media and stuff like that, I don't really see people guessing because it, it's stupid to do that. I think some people might throw out a name to kind of be like funny about it, which is fine. I mean, it's, it's lighthearted. They're, they don't wish anybody, whoever they're saying, they don't wish that they genuinely have it. Uh, but it's like, you know, uh, this person's been injured all season. He probably has now coronavirus. So, um, but I don't see any like malicious intent on the, the part of anybody on social media which is strange because social media is a haven for hatred. Um, you, don't, you don't see the people just trying to guess because it's stupid to guess. Number one, it doesn't matter. And number two, you have nothing to go on. There, there's nothing there that says like, oh, this person's more prone to it. We're all prone to it. So it's good to see just people letting this thing play out. Um, if they release the names, they release the names. I really don't care if they do. I care in the end if they get well. So uh, we heard from the captain, which is nice. Maybe we'll hear from other players as we go on. You can, I mean, social media is just loaded up with what these guys are doing uh, from across all sports. Because they have nothing else to do. (laughs) So they uh, turn to social media. So it's, it's what it's there for. But like he said in the end, they can't be that respite for people to watch their team for a few hours and take their mind off of something. But hopefully they can and they will at some point. Again, we just have no idea when that is going to be.
0: My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, But recently, I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day.
2: Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, so on the Score website or app, which I believe Yahoo owns, A really cool, I like, I love stuff like this. I love these, like, debatable articles and topics uh, that if you can get into a a respectable debate with somebody, not just argue back and forth. Uh, The person who wrote this, want to give him the credit, John Matzis. Sorry if I'm pronouncing his last name incorrectly. But the article is titled "Commish for a Day: Fixing the NHL's Primary Problems." So, he goes through and I'll, and I'll go through most of what he talks about because I just think it's like fascinating stuff when people come up with things that we just are in just just are ingrained in the fabric of sports like uh, the draft and the size of the field or rink that we're playing on and kind of discuss if all of that should be changed. I love throwing wrenches into the norm of sports, and even though things probably will always stay the same and be tweaked here and there, I just love uh, the bigger ideas and the bigger pictures, and that's kind of what he gets into in this article. It's a really good article. The first thing he starts off with is reimagining the draft. Um, And I'll just read what he writes. The current draft lottery system is flawed since lottery odds are determined by inverse order of regular season standings. Teams eliminated from the playoff contention early Detroit this year, Ottawa last year have no incentive to win games down the stretch. This produces an influx of AHL and junior call ups, too much crease time for backup goalies and other measures designed to curtail on ice success. Realistically, can you blame these clubs? Finishing dead last in the NHL gives a team an eighteen and a half percent chance of obtaining the first overall pick. Finishing twenty fifth earns them a six point five chance. The wrong crowd is being rewarded. So, and I can ag- agree with I understand what he's saying. I agree with that. So, he gives this uh, so called gold plan, and he says, "What if the draft order was determined by points collected after elimination?" from playoff contention, as it would be under the so-called gold plan, first introduced in the 2012 Sloan Analytics Conference. Teams would have to keep trying to win after being eliminated from the playoff race in order to claim the number one pick. Under those terms, all 82 games for all 31, soon-to-be-32 teams would matter. A potential obstacle for this proposal is education. The lottery is always a convoluted exercise and event or an event that can be hard for casual fans to wrap their heads around effective communication would be paramount here I understand that that would be incredibly interesting so it's almost like when you when you are eliminated the more points you win you would get the number one pick I mean what if you're eliminated at the 81st game then you shouldn't really be getting the number one pick because you were right on the cusp of getting into the playoffs. It's interesting. It's a very, very interesting uh, analogy and, and way around for the draft. Do I hate the current lottery system? I mean, they have that top three. And they they lottery pick the top three. The Avalanche have been the losers in that twice. But it's worked out okay for them. So, if you went to the Avalanche and say, is it fair? What would their answer be? <laughs> Uh, no, because we had, you know, great odds both times and both times we fell down to four, but both times we have possibly franchise changing draft picks. So the scale weighs on both sides, I guess. Um, he goes into officiating and he says he wants to clean up the officiating. The NHL routinely touts its referees as and linesmen as the best in the world. Uh, He doesn't want to make a claim against that. Um, He says, I believe they get far more calls correct than incorrect. And I agree with that. And, but like any other sport, the incorrect ones, we kind of tend to blow up and rush to social media to argue that that's me saying that, um, and this I agree with. One area in which the league could improve is transparency. Aside from the occasional reports about certain officials losing out on playoff assignments because of poor performance, there's no external accountability for ref, refs and linesmen. Mistakes are made, fans and media go nuts, and there's no explanation or repercussions. Why can't a member of, a, of the crew speak to a pool reporter post-game to provide the official side of the story? Maybe fans would learn something new about the rulebook or how – hard it is for a human being to be mistake-free on the job. Maybe we'd start accepting the fact that officials are people too and collectively give them a break once in a while. I agree with that. I think – I don't like in any sport that the referees always get a pass. Why do players constantly have to go after a game is over, minutes after a game is over, when they maybe did something boneheaded and stupid and have to face the music? Why do the refs never have to face the music? I am not a, a rip on the refs guy. They make mistakes, just like players make mistakes. Uh, but because, and I think how he words it is perfect, because they don't talk to the media and the press, and we don't get their side of the story. All we have to go on is what we feel, and we always feel they did the the wrong play or called the wrong penalty, or whatever sport you want to say it is, or didn't call a penalty. And and I don't feel like that is fair to either side. So getting them out there and just having them do some, some uh, post-game press conferences would be beneficial to everybody all around. The NBA did something. I don't know if they still do it. And this was a few years ago. And I don't know why they did. They, they did like a two-minute report. And it wasn't an official. I think it was uh, somebody uh, – or they maybe they released it. I don't even think it was a press conference. They would release to the press – the last two minutes of the game, because the last two minutes of an NBA game takes 45 minutes. All of the things that went wrong on the official side in those last two minutes. It was like a two-minute report. I don't know if they still do that or not. I don't know if it was just for the playoffs when they did that, but either way, it gave you at least something. I mean, if you did the entire game, you know, that would be the size of, like, War and Peace um, every single day, which nobody wants that either, but... Um, I do. I think getting the refs side of the story um, and maybe even having them own up to something. We always hear coaches saying, that was my mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Players do that all the time. If we got a more humanistic version of the refs and not just think of them as like robots, um, I, think, I think both sides of this aisle Would have much more of a mutual understanding of each other, so I totally agree with that one The next one very interesting widen the ice ice surface. I know people who love this idea. I know people who hate this idea Um, He writes admittedly this proposal is both unoriginal when Marc Messier wanted to do it back in 1987 and it's a hard sell Um, It's true that players are bigger, faster, stronger than when the game was first conceived. Advances in equipment have helped raise the speed of play to a previously unimaginable caliber. While the introduction of the four official system in the late 1990s added an extra body to the already crowded playing surface, yet the NHL's ice surface has remained roughly 200 feet long by 85 feet wide. He thinks they should widen the rink by 10 feet. This would decrease the number of unintended unintended collisions uh, which would help concussions uh, and increase the level of creativity. That I can't argue with, that part of it, uh, which would hopefully promote more scoring. Um, one gigantic obstacle for this is proposal of, of money. The cost of such rink renovations would be tough to swallow With the, while the revenue lost in removing a row or two of premium seating makes for a difficult pitch to the owners. And you know, money rules everything, that's true as well. I can see both sides of this um, I, I the one thing that he says about the creativity and these guys are more skilled in it, giving them more ice to kind of show off their showmanship uh, would be something to watch but I like the confined space. Uh, I think it, it plays to the the hockey player, uh, like Nathan McKinnon, who his speed is on display in a short, confined space. Uh, if you open it up, his his speed is just as valuable. Um, but it's almost like going from soccer, which I can't stand, on that huge, massive field, and it seems like things take forever to open up, to going to indoor soccer. If you ever watch indoor soccer happen, that's exciting, because stuff's happening all over the place, and really quick, really fast. Um, would it slow the pace down a little bit? I don't know. I mean I, if you've got a lot more area to cover You're gonna get tired quicker and shifts might be a little bit shorter than they are now um, I don't know. I, I like it. You, you, you want to keep guys safe obviously, but I'd like that I don't want to say it's a small space where they're playing, but I kind of like the little bit more confined space uh, it makes you have to be on your game to win. It makes it a little bit more difficult to win. So, I mean, the game's difficult enough as it is right now. So, But I can see the other side of that, too. I really can. So that's an interesting one. Um, some quick hits, as he calls them. Switch to a 3-2-1 point system where a regulation win is worth three, an overtime or shootout win is worth two, and an overtime shootout loss is worth one. Uh, any hockey fan knows the current point allocation sy- system creates a false parity within the si- within the standings. I agree for the most part on the false parity uh, when it comes to point system. Yeah, when it comes to points, yeah. But it, we still live in a, a league where anybody can beat any team any day. Uh, extend three on three overtime beyond five minutes. Completely agree with that one. I don't think it should be ten maybe like seven, seven, eight at the most. Uh, but I think, you know, three on three is one of the best things to happen to hockey in a very long time. Uh, so upping it and getting, hopefully getting a victory in overtime, adding an extra two or three minutes, I think is is great. This one is interesting, and I'm still am on the fence with this one. Shorthanded teams shouldn't be allowed to ice the puck without consequence. It never made much sense, sense that the team killing a penalty i.e. a team in the wrong, should get a free pass on icings. To keep the game moving at a reasonable pace, a shorthanded team should be assessed a minor penalty if it ices the puck three times during a single penalty kill. That's... man. We might have to do another segment on that one. <laughs> because that's that's something I've never really thought of. Uh... Even. I want to hear from you guys on that one. What do you think? Um, And then he just goes in to give us more injury information with fantasy leagues, betting issues, uh, eliminating, and I hate this, upper body, lower body classifications. I'm with you on that. (laughs) So it's always nice to get as much info as you can in the injury uh, field when a player's hurt. Uh, But that that icing one when you're on shorthanded, that's... That's rough. Um, I have to think about that one. I don't like it right now, but uh, I don't want to just come out and say it's terrible. But um, it makes you think. All of these make you think. I love stuff like this. So I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? Do you like any of these? Do you hate any of these? What's your opinion on that? Do you have any that you would add if you were a commissioner for a day? on avalanche at gmail.com. All right. So welcome back. And I'm I'm still going over that three-icing thing. I mean, you're already penalizing them, and they're already the man down, the team with the man down. What would you expect them to do? Like, what could they do? Because if you have, like, two icings and a, a, a player is wanting to ice it but just doesn't want to put enough on it, I mean, I th- your your power play goal percentages would would skyrocket. Um, I don't know. That's... It, maybe that, Like he's saying, you're rewarding the team for for icing. But that's they're already down. They're already penalized. It's tough enough as it is being the man down. I don't know. That's rough. Um, I'm going to be thinking about that one. I'm going to lose sleep over that one. And then really quickly, I wanted to get to this other article on uh, the score about how they ranked the number one overall picks of the 2010s. And immediately you're thinking, okay, where's Nathan McKinnon on this? He's probably number... Two, you got to give McDavid number one. Um, they didn't rank Jack Hughes because they, you know, it's unfair to really rank him. Um, Yakupov was number nine, and I'll skip all the other. If you want to go see who they are, you can go check out the article. Taylor Hall was number four. Nathan McKinnon was number three. Austin Matthews was number two, and obviously McDavid is number one. Um, I was I was surprised. I, I was just expecting to scroll through and seeing number two, Nathan McKinnon. Um, they write on the strength of three consecutive 90 point seasons. McKinnon has established himself as one of the NHL's most dominant players. That said, Nate, the great didn't begin his career anywhere near the level he is at today, which is why he earns a number three spot in our rankings. McKinnon won the Calder, but struggled in the following three seasons, topping out at 53 points for a Colorado Avalanche squad that appeared to lack direction. Now at 24, he's a perennial MVP threat, leading a club that looks poised to compete for Stanley Cup's for much of the next decade, and I think when I read that, he um, didn't begin his career anywhere near the level he's at today, and I think that dings him, and and I really can't disagree with that. For Austin Matthews, he's been a little bit more consistent from rookie season to now. Um, he didn't have that, you know, like when 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 McKinnon won the the Calder, he had a couple seasons where he played well, but not to the level he's playing at now, which is why the, he has the contract he has now. Um, So I I'm okay with that, but I kind of wanted to throw that out there again to see what you guys thought. If what McKinnon is doing these past few years should just override those quote unquote lull seasons that he had, um, which were not terrible seasons, just not up to what he's doing right now. Should that still bump him up to the number two spot? He's not getting number one. Let's get real. Um, my cat's going crazy again back there. So let me know a lot of info on this show and a lot of what ifs and rankings. And I really like stuff like that just for conversation pieces. So let me know what you guys think. Locked on avalanche at gmail.com or find me on the social media um, avenues, Twitter, LOPN underscore avalanche, Instagram, locked on avalanche. So we will be off on Thursday and we will be back on Friday I think Nikki is coming back. The Avs Queen is coming back for Friday's Fandom Friday segment. Um, And we'll have that a couple days from now. So enjoy the day. And we'll see you guys Friday. And here's Jovi.